0: hi my name is amy morgan and i'm the host of the mindfulness academy podcast thank you for joining us on today's show we have the mr scott sweet thank you for being here with us scott
1: it's a pleasure
0: well i'm gonna hop in and let you know who scott is uh he has quite the resume so i will do my best to summarize All that he is. Um, Scott is a licensed clinical social worker and the founder of the Insight Counseling Center in Fishers here in Indiana. He is also a licensed clinical addictions counselor an a MAGO certified counselor. And lastly, an MBSR or Mindfulness Based Stress Reduction certified teacher. So, and, and that is how we met through the MBSR class. Yeah. A few years ago. A few years ago. few years ago time passes quickly and that was wonderful that actually was um kind of towards the beginning of of my mindfulness journey within the first few years of that and it kind of took the you know the practical lessons i was learning through reading books and you know watching watching videos and whatnot into a very practical you know endeavor (laughs) so it went from very heady to Let's let's practice this in the flesh. So.
1: Right, yes. Now it's nice to, at least my experience with the class as well, um, was just to have a time and a place to go and practice uh, in partnership. So it's yeah. kind of nice to have some structure.
0: It was, and, and some accountability to say, okay, I have a lot coming up today. I yeah. can feel it. I'm thinking through all of these things, yeah. but I'm going to go and sit on the mat. I have to admit, when... I started the course. I, I had been practicing again, you know, practicing based on reading books, which is very different than learning from a teacher and practicing with other people in real life. When I was in your course, I remember at the beginning it was not easy. It was not easy at all. I don't know if that's the kind of feedback you tend no, to get a, from people.
1: You jump right into the deep end pretty quickly. Just, okay. yeah.
0: That makes me feel better that you yeah. feel that way. Cause that's how yeah. it felt with me too. Um, uh, the way I've tended to describe it was I felt like I wanted to crawl out of my skin. Mm-hmm. That sitting there, not mm-hmm. checking my phone, mm-hmm. not running around doing something on my to-do list, mm-hmm. not making sure something got done at work, mm-hmm. it, it was so hard. And I think the lesson that kind of kept coming up for me was, isn't that interesting how the world keeps turning even when I take a moment to sit here
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I think that was the biggest
1: thing the course itself invites folks to practice 45 minutes a day and uh, the body scans and some mindful movement and sitting practices so I I consider that a pretty big deep dive and uh, just to be uh, still and uh, yeah there's some movement there as well Um, but just to kind of let go Of some of just the normal activities and and uh, and just notice it's it's not it's not uh, it's not easy and um, the the Anne Lamott quote that always rings in my head is that my mind uh, what she says is my mind is a dangerous neighborhood I never want to be there alone and so uh, that resonated with me and so as you first sit in silence, uh, or just with yourself or just, uh, with the world that keeps going, it's just kind of hard to pause and be still.
0: Why do you think it is hard to pause and be still? Is it because it, it feels like a dangerous neighborhood or do you, wh- what are some of the things that you hear from people over the course of the years of training in MBSR? Yep.
1: I guess two things greet me now is yeah, maybe a couple pronged. One, uh, is, um, right just our own story kind of starts showing up a little bit and it might not be totally obvious but it can uh, some doorways present themselves and kind of mindsets or just thoughts and one of my famous is planning mine so just uh, that greets me and um, and part of that planning mine is just probably what the world does you know i think john Cabotson says that we're you know a 365 24/7 society so it's hard to pause you know we're part of a a group and uh, old brain says hey if you don't do what the group does you don't survive so it's kind of hard just to do something that feels like a little bit different and uh, and to be still so between you know kind of uh, survival group kind of thought and, and process and just your own individual stuff story um it might be unpleasant a little bit there's some pleasantness to it as well and maybe um I guess as I say it might be only for a moment where you're like hmm all right I'm just kind of being I'm not the human doing I'm the human being and then there's like wow there might be some value to that and um um I'm getting a little goosebumps talking about that so just paying attention uh, to that as well. So, you know, maybe some people have that moment and talking about it, that lets, leads them to formal practice because they kind of like are thinking about it. And that certainly was my my uh, entryway is just kind of a lot of studying, studying. And I think that's a part of, you know, a mindfulness practice is just kind of uh, framing and, and, and understanding and looking at things and educating yourself. And then, yeah, there's a lot of practices, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm
0: wondering if you could... Um, share with our guests what the mindfulness based stress reduction course includes. Uh, kind of before we get into a little bit of your background and what brought you to mindfulness, just to kind of let folks know what you're even talking about.
1: Sure, sure. It started, I think, in the late 70s uh, at a University of Massachusetts medical school. Uh, two gentlemen started it, and they were finding, and they had practices themselves, and they worked in a hospital. I'm not Completely sure about this uh, the factuality of the story but they worked in a hospital and somehow uh, they invited uh, the hospital to um, send their toughest uh, patients or clients to them to this class called MBSR, Mindfulness Based Stress Reduction and um, and then it began where um, it consists of eight meetings or eight classes each class is about two and a half hours And then typically at the end of class six is an all-day silent retreat. So uh, that's kind of the bones of it. But people are practicing just being with, Mm -hmm. and it's a practice. And folks were finding that, yes, their pain was there, and that couldn't change. However, how they held the pain, there were some options around that and that was uh, a doorway for folks to find some relief.
0: Yeah, I like the the options. You know, the choice to react instead of respond has been something that's been ringing true to me for several years. Um, that's something that, that I I struggle with. I mean, sometimes things will hit me a certain way and I'm like, mm, I really wanna, react right now because there's something coming up that is big and right at the back of my throat. (laughs) But learning that there's a choice and sometimes just a walk around the block. Sometimes it's as simple as one, two, three deep breaths, Mm -hmm. mindful breaths, Mm -hmm. and it totally changes Mm -hmm. everything for me. And that seems, if you'd have told me that several years ago, I would say, you gotta be kidding me. Mm Come on now, Yeah. take yeah. a breath. That sounds like something you tell a child, right? But it's so true. And I think that that's what, that's what it kind of fuels a lot of the passion I have for mindfulness because it can change a moment. And by changing those moments and the response, we can change our relationships, we can change our work environment. Mm-hmm. I feel like we can change the world one interaction at a time by bringing some some breath, some mindfulness, some peace instead of reactivity. So, thank you for doing the work that you do because I feel like it is it is critical especially in this day and age where like you said, we have, you know, 24/7 365 we need a way to process, we need a way to to know when to unplug. Mm-hmm. You know? We in and, and and how to I mean, if you go with the opposite analogy, how to recharge. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, in the modalities of um, mindfulness-based stress reduction, again, it's been a few years, but I'm thinking through, we had um, sitting meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that one was particularly hard because there's no movement. And so there's, there, you know, you're with it. You are in the deep end and you're just there. Um, I remember that's, that's probably where I struggled the most, but that tends to be um, really kind of at the core of my current practice. That, and then also the body scan, I was doing that this morning before uh, coming in here because um, I had COVID and we've had to reschedule yes. um, this. Um, we had intended to talk uh, a couple weeks ago, um, but I ended up coming down with COVID for the first time. And I was noticing, I'm still feeling kind of tight in, in my chest, mm-hmm. um, still having a little bit of a cough. My my throat was a little scratchy and dry. and. So I was noticing some things and and I think the beauty of noticing, you know, there could be the reactivity throwing in all kinds of stories and concerns and what's going to happen during, you know, the interview, or, you know, how is my voice going to sound? And, and and then there's also the other side of that coin that is sometimes we just hold space for noticing and that it is interesting to notice something and not judge it or or attach a story to practice that part of it. Even if a story comes in, say Thank you brain for giving me that story, yeah. but I'm just going to be with it and notice it because sometimes I feel like when I, when I approach even kind of bodily sensations like that with curiosity and non-judgment, I'm in a better mind space to care for it. Mm-hmm. it. I don't know if that's something that you, you experience, but I notice. Hey, maybe I just need to grab a cough drop before I head out the door, you know, just take care of this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, with awareness, maybe are allowed to see some options and choices to uh, engage in ways uh, that allow flow. And I say flow is fun, loving, open, and willing. And so flow versus fear. Sometimes people say faith versus fear. That's kind of, but I like kind of flow. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think the recovery world for a long time has said, you know, if you can claim it, you can tame it. And... um, and so mindfulness is a little bit a part of claiming. And so, what's what's going on, you know, with my body and uh, my heart and my mind. And if we can kind of just, you know, um, ascertain a little bit of that, then sometimes it can give us some options or choices to have a, a a breath mint or take a breath or who knows what it might be. Just to, as Dan Harris says, maybe make it ten percent better. <laughs>
0: Exactly. Love this podcast. Yeah. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. It's yeah. just so great. Um, I'm wondering um, a couple of the other modalities that we practiced in class was a walking meditation, mm-hmm. which in a tight space, we might have walked across the room. Or one of my favorites is to walk across uh, a yoga mat. I remember doing that in one of the silent retreats that you led. Uh, which is also very difficult. Lots of interesting things came up that day, uh, in my mind, you know, there's a whole production actually center stage and a lot going on. (laughs) Um, but that I loved that practice because it, it, it showed me that I don't need loads of space. Um, and even necessarily loads of time, just taking a few steps across a mat and there's a mindfulness to how long is the mat and then what am I going to do at the other end and creating kind of a rhythm that it really worked for me. So I don't know if that might work for others, but that that
1: really worked for me. It it doesn't have to be that complicated. I mean, I want to like if it's more complicated, then there be some more some more value, or if it costs more or something. So there there's some inherent value, and that's maybe uh, some patterns of mine. And yeah, just checking in on the body uh, or the heart, uh, noticing the movement. Maybe just you know walking meditation across the mat, or just sitting. He's all, you know, sound uh, fairly simple, but you know, simple ain't simple. It's, it's. It, there's a lot of richness. Uh, there's a lot that goes on, and uh, a lot of data, a lot of information, and it's sometimes overwhelming. And so, it's just kind of a practice on how to navigate uh, something that relatively seems simple, um, yet there's a, a a lot present or a lot that's that comes up or um, that's available.
0: Absolutely. And I love the comment about, you know, it can be as expensive or as cheap as you want it to be. I would say most folks have uh, a place on the floor even, or a bed that they could lie down in and scan their bodies, which is one of the modalities that we use. Lots of stories come up around that as well. Old injuries. Um, Hey, that doesn't hurt anymore. All Mm -hmm. kinds of things come up. Mm -hmm. Um, Or or just even having a chair. I mean, that's the other thing that occurs to me so much because yeah, you can spend an infinite amount of money practicing mindfulness if you wanted to, or you could use a chair in, in your bed. It, it doesn't have to have, you don't have to have special equipment, really.
1: No, it's, uh, <laughs> it, it could be pretty simple. And as, as, as we practice being still, I think we do a lot of time traveling. And so we can be in touch with the old injuries uh, and certainly uh, forecast um, how this injury will uh, affect the future and and somewhere around there uh, I think it could be useful to spend some time around uh, noticing that or even processing that and, and even grieving sometimes I don't think that as some of the visitors arrive uh, uh, on our our matter cushion that we totally just you know uh, we allow them in and 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 weep or cry or laugh uh, uh, and I've done both I've I've laughed myself silly. I can't believe that, um, and also have uh, definitely grieved and weeped just because your life shows up on the mat, past and and some ideas of what might the future be. And then, as as I think Joseph Goldstein says, at some point, you know whatever thought train I'm on, I'm like, is this useful? And sometimes I do find that like you know this actually is useful because uh, I am processing some old stuff, and I think that's the useful part for me. Um Of all the future stuff, I get entertained by that, but when I ask, is this useful, for the time I set aside, I'm like, you know I don't I'm gonna I'm gonna practice letting this go and and return back to whatever help hankers me for the, the particular moment in practice.
0: That's useful to hear. Um, one of the other modalities I remember um, is really tapping into the senses, getting really, and that's kind of a foundational bit because as you go as you kind of take that to the mat or to you know the cushion or wherever it might be or just to your office yeah. um, And so tasting and smelling and seeing and hearing, um, just getting into the granular nature that is being in a particular moment. I think we used a raisin. I think we used a raisin. there's so much. That can happen with a raisin. You could not believe <laughs> what can happen back, with a raisin.
1: Back to simple, yeah, just a single raisin. Yeah. Um, and the expression, yeah, the GPS to the present are our senses. So if we, if I can pay attention to um, that information data source, and that kind of brings me, brings me here.
0: Absolutely. One of the things I love the most, and I think this was one of the homework assignments that you had given to us, was just to kind of be really present. For instance, when you're in the shower, you're brushing your teeth and, and the one, um, just even washing my hair. So one of the practices that I like to have is when I, when I get my shampoo, again, this is not, I already have the shampoo. This is not an extra investment. But as I get it out and I put it in my hand, I might notice how it feels, the, the color, and I, I try to smell it. That's yeah. se- that may seem odd, but I try to smell it just to be present for one moment. You know, and I try to capture those those moments, where, I, where I'm there, I'm there for it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I have really, I've utilized a lot of the practices, if not really all of them, in um, my daily or weekly practices. It's been really a gift. So thank you for giving of your time and helping me learn those things.
1: Oh, you're more than welcome, I mean, uh, <laughs> it's out there in the world and sometimes uh, i've appreciated it i've done it for all my personal reasons and then um decided to yeah just share it with others because uh, that's a whole new teaching for me too and um yeah time place and partner and you know who would have thought like yeah my shampoo bottle is going to be a partner here but there's the time and place and there can be some consistency where we're like okay you know i'm gonna i'm gonna wash my hair and then that can be a consistent practice. And I think that matters. So it doesn't have to be all woo woo and incense or anything like that. It's just washing the hair.
0: So simple. It's just so simple. And And then
1: noticing when you're not washing the hair. I mean, you are washing the hair, but you're completely out of the shower and you're in the office and uh, uh, not literally, but that's where the mind is, yeah.
0: It's interesting because I think what resonates with me is that if I learn to be present for even the smell of my shampoo, that is a practice, a foundational block that allows me to be present. For instance, in this moment to notice you're wearing a blue shirt. Yeah. You're nodding your head. Absolutely. You know, I I can be present and I, I believe that there are a lot of nutrients is what I, I like to call it in, in a given moment. And mm-hmm. the more I'm in the past or, trying to think about something in the future, I'm not here and I'm not getting the nutrients. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm starving myself of that. And so that's what I try to pull back to. That's kind of the, the, the framework of a part of my mindfulness. Mm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Brené Brown talks about just seeing the extraordinary and the ordinary. And so I think my experience is that there's so much that assaults my senses to get my attention. And, um, yeah. And sometimes I want it. I want that. I want to go to a movie to be assaulted in some ways because that's I per, would perceive value then if, you know, I paid $12 for a ticket. And um, just sitting and being with the raisin or with someone and talking. Um, there's a book out there. and I just like the title. Uh, I think that I haven't read the book, um, uh, but it probably has some value. It's called The Power of Moments. And it's like why certain moments have extraordinary impact on our lives and I believe that to be true. Um, we do have moments and in um, and, and, and a pleasant sense, and an unpleasant sense, and they do have extraordinary impact. And, and some of that is outside our control. And I wonder if we can contr- initiate uh, some extraordinary moments too, and what that would look like. And it sounds like you gotta go out and just buy a bunch of stuff, or fly a bunch of place, or have a bunch of adrenaline. And, and maybe that's, you know, I like that too. And, uh, I can sit down and just be in my backyard. And, uh, as I bring the senses around and really pay attention. And, uh, uh, I think that that can be extraordinary too. So it doesn't have to be epic.
0: That's a great reminder. You talked a few moments ago about time traveling. So I want to do that a little bit yes. in our conversation. Let's go back. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about where you're from. Tell me a little bit about your, your, your history, your, yeah. your education, where, where life has taken you. I know you've, you've taken a year-long trip um, just traveling. You have some interesting bits in your, in your life resume, not just on, on LinkedIn, but in your life resume.
1: So white, male, American. I'm 54 years old, right? So to try and travel a little bit back, where it all started, I suppose, was, yeah, Indianapolis, born here, Grew up on the north side, uh, affluent community. Uh, definitely come from a place of privilege. And, um, and it was, it was, it was uh, lots of pleasant moments. <laughs> um, definitely unpleasant moments there too. Um, I guess I th- think in terms of, and sometimes how to describe that big T's or little T's, big T's are big traumas. Uh, And little t's are little traumas. And so fortunately, you know, I was just kind of more on the the little t side of things. And those are hard because you don't know they're sometimes they're happening sometimes too. I mean, there is a moment you can feel it, uh, but it's not recorded quite maybe as some others are. So the opportunity for recovery can be difficult at times. Uh, Maybe we'll get into that later. So, um, but, you know, uh, went to IU, Indiana University, and studied history and criminal justice um it was interesting looking back on that i really wanted to be a business major um and it just didn't work out and my sense of failure around that or lack of discipline or you know i was felt like i was lazy or unfocused or i wasn't going to be successful forecasting into the future a
0: lot of stories there, Scott. lots
1: of stories lots of story why can't i you know do this you know i'm not afraid of hard work uh, looking back my body and my heart were telling me in big ways that you are not a business person <laughs> but I didn't pay attention to that because my mind said that I needed to do that or my thoughts and I just you know all uh, they're not you know, all some of this data or these stories or the patterns and the environment we live in is not exactly true so um, I had to pivot because I didn't have a choice I wasn't going to be admitted into the business school and I did study history and criminal justice and I just enjoyed that figured I needed a piece of paper to kind of survive in this culture. got it and then uh, I couldn't get a job so that was another kind of like setback uh, which ended up being a setup um, I had uh, a friend that uh, spent some time a semester in Singapore and I could barely pronounce it or let alone know where it was so I decided to um, be a travel writer uh, after school and, uh, had the business plan. I mean, this is what, you know, <laughs> uh, 22 son, year olds do, <laughs> a son of an entrepreneur does. Uh, and that fell away too. I thought I'd be gone for a couple months and ended up being longer. I ended up traveling a lot of times, uh, in Asia. And that's where I ran into the mindfulness practice. So, um, I was just, talking to somebody in in australia and he's like hey you gotta go to this class in thailand it's for westerners it's a 10-day meditation retreat i think you'd find some value in that and i'm like all right um and he's like told me where the town was and so uh this was 1990 1991 so i just showed up in the town i asked where this monastery was and the good news was um and i didn't know this you know I was four days early to this 10-day f- meditation retreat. So, because um, I just did it once a month. And so that was a uh, the whole trip, and, and particularly that retreat was probably a paradigm shift for me. All right. Yeah. And so... Um,
0: tell me about tell me about those 10 days, Scott. Yeah, what happened?
1: Yeah. So I think, um, and I'll use this story that I'm uh, using more uh, uh, a lot lately. So I, I read... Uh, this guy's uh, book or and speech, This is Water by uh, David Foster Wallace and so he's got this story because there are these two young fish swimming along and they happen to meet an older fish swimming the other way and the old one looks at them and says, morning boys, how's the water? And the two young fish uh, swim on for a bit and then eventually one of them looks over at the other and goes uh, what the heck is water? <laughs> so you know I guess the story of my life or kind of some patterns were you know you just grow up and you just don't know what you don't know and so um, you know the pacers were super important in my life you know grades um, sports achievement um, you know uh, make friends have influence Uh, I think it's you know a little bit about the soup that we live in here Uh, there's you know probably Uh, the striving lane. And so, you know, I grew up Methodist. um, So a lot of great foundations and I want to keep much of it, but some of it I think needed to be changed or altered. And so, um, and and so traveling, I saw a lot of different ways to live and to be, and there wasn't wasn't one way. And I suppose the idea or the philosophy and some of the practices around mindfulness was another uh, a graduate degree for me in life and sure. so as much as that was a setback to not you know be able to sell I, was, I went through the business school I, I thought I had a pretty good resume um, and I thought I could sell the toothpaste better than anybody and uh, but they just said no and uh, they being maybe a higher power and so down in the dumps I was I was calling people uh, trying to get uh, sell window appointments to window install appointments for a number of months to kind of get myself ready to take off on this trip. But anyway, uh, it was a a, a, a great education.
0: So tell, let's get back to those 10 days. Kay. If this is a paradigm shift, yeah. paint me a picture. Yeah.
1: Well, I think a couple things happened. Um, the practices. Brought, How many people
0: can, can you give me uh, a sense yeah, for the yeah. setting? So you're in a monastery. Yeah.
1: It was in the town of Suratani, um, Ajahn Buddhadasa was the head monk, Uh, you know, just a wise old guy, and so we, and and then there's retreats uh, that, wherever you are, they're kind of set up the same way, where, you know, you wake up early, and you practice, and um, you eat a little bit, and you do some chores, and you practice, and you walk, and you practice, and then you eat a little bit, and walk, practice, in the in the evening uh there's usually a discussion or a talk and um and it was basically you know a frame and i hadn't heard these frames before on our patterns and belief systems um sometimes referred to as just you know a dharma talk and so um that was useful so between the practice so that was a lot of body heart and and, and certainly mental practices that you you know we've experienced together and then also the frame of um of things that was a combination that was really helpful
0: excellent and i mean were there 10 people there with you give me a sense for <laughs> yeah
1: i think there might have been uh, probably 50 people oh, or wow. maybe more so it was a large uh facility um you know i i don't even know if they charged me i think they looked for donations and so um it wasn't you know that's kind of the culture or that was just i mean i guess in you know united states you know even i you're like hey you know we're gonna charge for this and it's gonna be this and that um that wasn't the case there so i think 50 people showed up and you're given your a single room it was just a concrete slab and so it was really simple uh, uh after noon we did like the monks did right? you know we didn't have anything to eat And we had a little tea or maybe a little bit of uh, an orange or or an apple in the evening. So, um, yeah, that was the beginning.
0: So you really were in the deep end.
1: Absolutely. You went from kind of zero to 100. Yeah, Yeah, I did. I think um, the Methodist upbringing uh, offered a lot of sing song. That was great. I love the, you know, we did some chanting. I love singing. I think that there was a vibrational components and stuff. I liked I, that resonated in my body. I could really like, Whoa, something's going on here with that. Uh, and it was intellect and there was a lot of great framing with that as well. I think I was just missing some of the, just, um, the body practices and, uh, and being attuned to that. And so, uh, that was helpful and to do with others, you know, again, it was a time, place and a partner and um, uh, my mother had uh, experienced some setbacks uh, some physical health issues and she started really just discovering meditation on her own you know we're in indiana it's like i don't know you know it's just so for out of her own probably just survival of some discomfort uh, she started practicing meditation and it would probably be you know christian meditation some um, uh, mantras around some scripture and that type of thing uh, or breath practices. But she kind of talked about that. So I, I think I was kind of like, huh, you know, kind of knew a little bit or something or heard something. So, you know, whatever causes and conditions allowed this guy to tell me in Australia to go to this place and I showed up and it worked out. Uh, that was that was a blessing.
0: That's amazing. What a story. So what happened after that? Those 10 days?
1: Oh, I, I, I just bummed around and, you know, um, just looked... Um, more you know I think awareness is um, is sometimes not easy (laughs) so um, I had lost a really good friend a best friend uh, right before I left on this trip so I was doing some grieving um, and and then on top of just this kind of like felt like a paradigm shift it was um, my desert (laughs) And it was difficult to just, like, what is, you know, what can I anchor down here on? And what what's what's, what's happening, or how do I want to go? So um, I just kept on traveling, and it, it was extended. Uh, I had more, you know, time than money. And, uh, uh, yeah, in Nepal, I could stay for five cents a night, these places. So, hey, um, I, I was still kind of, like, still wanting to move on and kind of still some stuff, see, see some stuff. Um, uh, and then I get back, and then I hit, hit Washington, D.C., and the pace was different, and that was really hard, too. So wow. I kind of really slowed down and did a lot of reading and processing a lot of stuff. And, but it, it was enough time to kind of give me an introduction and a, an idea of, like, okay, um, you know, as, as the Mandalorian says, this is the way, you know? So I was like, ah, this might be my way.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And you, you came to D.C. to work at C-SPAN. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, wow. I mean, that's a 180 from practicing mindfulness. (laughs) You know,
1: uh, C-SPAN is, you're right. uh, uh, I hadn't thought of that support, but C-SPAN is probably,
0: I'm I'm thinking just speed, you know, you're going from like silence to it is the news.
1: C-SPAN is the speed of real life. You know, they, they show things from, 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 you know, gavel to gavel from beginning to end. And so, Boy, that was probably interesting enough, uh, you know, a place to land. I was the history criminal justice major. I didn't want to kind of jump on the sides of things. So C-SPAN, plus I had a, a, a good friend that worked there and helped me out to get my first job. And so, but it, it all makes sense. And there was some nice um, experiences there for sure. And it was, it was fun just to be there and just observe. And C-SPAN was a good pace for me. Good. And you're right. It was still hard. Uh, and I'll exaggerate this pattern but a little bit it's like people just say hey how are you doing or how was your weekend and I was so accustomed to really answering that question uh, that it, I didn't recognize oh no no that's a ritual yeah, I mean we're gonna do that but we're not gonna really go there and talk about that so you know it's it's one of those it was a thumbs up or a medium it was a thumbs down that's about all we had time for <laughs>
0: Sure. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's the change of yeah. pace a little bit there. Yep. So your journey to mindfulness began abroad in yeah. this uh, in, officially on, on this 10 day uh, retreat. Um, did you keep up with it when you're back in DC or kind? I mean, take me along. So you, you were here in, um, where, where did you say it was? What was the name of the town?
1: Oh, in Thailand? Yeah. Yeah. It was a fancy name, uh, yeah, or Sur- it was a very difficult Sur- name. Surat Sur- I don't even know if I'm okay. pronouncing it right. But okay. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah. So you're, you're there and you come back, you go to DC, paint a picture for me. What happens between then and yeah. say when I, when I met you, you know, a few years back.
1: Right. So the quick factual journey. Yeah. DC and uh, for about five years, Seattle for about five years, uh, then packed to Indianapolis. Um, I met my wife in Washington DC, she's also from Indiana. We worked for C-SPAN together. Uh, the founder introduced us and uh, he was the matchmaker, kind of unbeknownst to us. And it works, it's worked out. And, um, and then um, my first daughter uh, was born in Seattle, second in Indianapolis. So that's the quick, and I spent some time in Indianapolis, you know, doing a number of things until I got into the kind of just this greater mindful practice of mental health counseling. But I, but back to, the, I think the question is like, well, what what did the mindfulness practices look like?
0: Yeah, how did it transform th- between Thailand and...
1: Yeah, you know, um, I, I don't know if it was super formal, you know, right after that. Uh, and... I can't remember i do remember going to like seminars and classes so i was working for c-span just dubbing tapes and you know taking viewer calls so um that part of my life wasn't being you know kind of like where i think in my industry now like social work and kind of like the trainings you go to it's kind of all kind of like yeah you're kind of doing mindful stuff you know awareness practices where, you know, different industry, the media, um, it might've been there. I didn't see it so much, but so I would augment or support with just, I remember just taking classes and, you know, the city had a lot to offer. And, um, and so, um, yeah, a lot of just, again, framing, you know, intellectual framing and some, uh, some practices. There's a, a strong community that, you know, I get emails still today from them, um, that practices in, in DC, and then Seattle's kind of the same. Um, um, primarily, though, um, my practices would look like um, uh, you know your equivalent is shampoos. Uh, I think uh, you know religious pr- religious uh, weekly practices, uh, formal med- formal meditation. I began um, doing some counseling, you know, mental health counseling out in Seattle, and so I think that's a big mindful practice, and um, and just yeah, you know, body work, uh, you know, the Rolfing. I mean, I think there's a lot of doorways into kind of just becoming more aware. You know, what is mindfulness? And I think it's just kind of ultimately loving awareness. And okay, well, how do you love? Or how do you be aware? There might be some steps around that, but you know, whatever it might look like to allow some more loving awareness.
0: And is that kind of your definition of mindfulness then, loving awareness? Yeah, I
1: think it's a characteristic, you know, and and there can be um, some actions around that that looks like, you know, non-judgmental, moment-to-moment practice to attend. Um, So, yeah, meditation, mindfulness, uh, I think we practice kind of just some being, which might look like meditation, to uh, notice, uh, I guess, some of the four foundations of mindfulness. And the four foundations of mindfulness are uh, thoughts, body sensations, feelings, and I'll summarize the fourth: is just as patterns and beliefs. And so, if I can be aware of those things, then that can really bring me some different options or choices, uh, or, um, and so I can engage and have some flow. So it sounds again like that template sounds pretty easy but it's just been a lifelong practice for me some of the biggest teachers uh, are uh, I mean it was a Ajahn uh, yeah Buddhadasa certainly I guess like okay yeah that guy was helpful but really yeah my wife my kids my dog I mean they're my biggest teachers because that which kind of activates my body can really inform me uh maybe some stuckness or a lack of flow in my body so uh white male american kind of privileged place i can really kind of get pretty righteous or i can you know i just that's a kind of almost a set point for me in a little ways and i find that righteousness is is really out of comes out of fear uh and some stuckness so I like to think I've really kind of come from a, you know that I type A to I don't know what else the, the others are, but um, definitely more flow. Um, so yeah, it's looked a lot of different ways uh, through the years and, uh, and continued to try to help fr- you know, frame it, continue to practice. and um, it feels pleasant to talk to others about it. <laughs> It does.
0: I love doing that. And you loved it so much that you decided to become certified to train folks in mindfulness. And when did that come about? Remind me.
1: Um, I think that was even, I'm not even sure. I can't remember. Maybe before I really started, kind of like the, or about the same time I decided to go into kind of the mental health field. Uh, I was struggling a bit. I was um, back in Indianapolis working for the YMCA. And uh, yeah, you know a place where they help support the mind body spirit so um and i felt like okay my learning curve had kind of flatlined a little bit i went to a uh, a career counselor and he took me through all these tests And he goes, like you're a lot like social workers and i was like oh my gosh you know um, i was still clean, still clean and attached to this idea that if i uh if i made a buck uh, then i'd have some value um, Andy Grammer has got a song coming out it's called Love is the New Money I, and I, I appreciate that that's not where I've come from I thought if I'd have money I'd get the, the love and so when I heard like you're going to be a social worker and okay I've got two kids I'm going back to graduate school my first job I'm making $17 an hour so it was rough it was hard and um uh, but it made sense to me it made sense to the body and uh, uh there was flow present and so it was just kind of like faith that if I keep on doing this I'll figure out how to pay the bill somehow and take care of the family um yeah money done by happiness but it does by options and I've seen how options have been helpful um to one's just physical health too so um so yeah, decided to kinda of get into this mindfulness thing, which is also the mental health field. And you know, that's about what we do. You know, I sit with people and I was like, tell me your story. And it's just that, it is a story and how we interpret the story. And as you're telling the story, you're gonna probably feel certain things and feel it in your body. And the industry I think is going more and more is like, let's talk about the story, the content, One foundation of mindfulness but let's also bring in the heart and the body and a a larger view of where you've come from and this combination seems to be uh, some ingredients to allow for some transformation and so uh, yeah we can all tell the story and most of the time that's what happens when I'm with folks and um, I don't want to be super interruptive about like okay where you're feeling your body and that type of thing but as we were talking a little bit earlier that, you know, the book title, The Body Keeps the Score, we're learning that uh, that we need to tap into some of these resources to allow transformation to happen because it's just not all above the ears th- thinking that allows for healing. It's much of it's really below the ears uh, and if we can bring those two things together. So, you know, I don't know if I was super aware of all this kind of blending itself together. And I think I was just kind of blindly just led to this, maybe some intuition or following my heart to a degree like, OK, we're going to do uh, the training out of UMass or, and all that that meant. And um, for MBSR, for MBSR to be kind of considered a certified teacher, lots of hoops. And that makes sense. But it was also informing. Um, and then, yeah, a lot of training around the social work side too. So you know, <clears throat> maybe none of the jobs are that far from uh, just trying to to support one, our, oneself and others. <coughs> and but that's this is where I've landed.
0: Do you feel that in your your social work and your counseling training that, that you're taught mindfulness and taught mindfulness in a way as a way to teach others about mindfulness do you feel like that's kind of part of that curriculum for you or is it maybe how you interpreted it i'm kind of curious about that as a as a field
1: i think with social work um and the education it was very macro and just uh and this is important like You know, where where we come, where are we going? Um, There is a kind of an idea that we're all connected uh, and how. And so it was very macro uh, focus. Uh, I decided to do a mental health concentration within the kind of the formal education. And um, it was probably all there. Maybe some of this like understanding feelings and thoughts. I didn't get it at that time. (laughs) I wasn't totally present with... Uh, the the combination of what they were saying and maybe what the mindfulness practice was. I didn't totally bring those together. And that's a, a more, or a latter occurrence. I was like, oh, yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. All these blend together. I still think that we can do a better job around social-emotional learning, you know? Yeah. I, th- I feel like I've said, I've gone through, what, 19 years of formal education, and I don't think anybody invited me to pause and check in with what 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 are you feeling or what's going on with the body that just hasn't happened and um or didn't happen or if it did I just was in my own rotation of uh striving or thinking and just didn't uh, didn't invite it so it perhaps was there but I didn't see it and so I think the world is changing I think we're understanding that um tapping in I mean we got all the information in our back pockets now that we need. So um, that's a whole nother problem is that all this information is causing a lot of emotional distress. And so now we're like, okay, what do we do with this emotional part of our lives?
0: Absolutely. I feel like a common theme that I'm hearing in our conversation is around tapping into the senses of the body. You've brought that up several times and that is really useful. I'm wondering if you could, you talked about even back um, many years ago where you noticed in your body, your body was telling you you're not a business major. There's something else for you. And you talked about again, yeah. kind of tapping into that when you, when you were told, "Hey, you you really might be a, a great social worker." That you you're become you've become attuned to your body. Can you give us some examples of what it looks like to scan the body um, and what sensations might might inform
1: sure um back a little bit wider view back to the fish story that even I think that there's just a lot of times that I don't know the water I'm swimming in <laughs> so the water I swam in was you know drinkable water uh and some parts were not so healthy for me and my body was telling me all this but I just didn't pay attention to it because I just didn't know so um and I think that's just kinda our lives. You know, we're creatures of habit and patterns and that can be really useful because we can dedicate energies to other things, but we do need to know where we've come from to understand the water we did swim in, to make some choices of what water we want to be in. So one thing that kind of indicates or informs me that I might be entering in some old patterns of fixed, manage and control water. Uh, is um, yeah my body so again back to my teachers my kids and my wife I mean there's nothing more activating <laughs> than a fear and, and and why do I have this fear and there's such innocence with the you know with children and I I've uh, installed a lot of fear in them and that's my stuff and it's just this is what was what we do we just kind of pass this stuff down and so what Lately, I've tried is um, as my body lights up. Uh, it's the, probably the first thing that tells me that there's something going on here. You're 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 doing some stinking thinking, or you're in some stinky water that might not you know you're swimming in. you can have some choice. You don't have to do that. Your kids are going to be fine. You know, they're 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 the the sum of their parts are good and beautiful. I just focus on the little parts that maybe make me nervous and or or I focus on that on myself too that may be making nervous and it creates all these stories and all that stuff but all this stuff is usually happening without my knowing but my body usually says oh and I feel that and then I can maybe catch the story I can wonder a little bit you know what what are the feelings anxiousness fear and so I kind of call it the four-point check-in so it's it's like okay um uh, my body's usually informing me, right? where am I feeling the activation? Okay, and then I take a breath, and I kind of soften the body. It kind of gives me an idea, of like, all right, what's the mindset here? Uh, what, what am I worried about? What's the prevailing thought here? And maybe that, you know, is a quick uh, summary. What's the feeling? And then I think, you know, and then sometimes I like to go to a zero to ten point scale. Like, how activated am I? And so, so that really gets me above the ears, kind of part, part of, the, of the body, the new brain above the ears and then I can probably be you know you know combine the old brain new brain kind of wise mind about my next choices on how I want to behave or what this looks like so the four-point check-in is just something real simple Um, and it can be real formal and I like to practice it on a formal basis uh, you know and I invite people to do that it's like okay we got to practice this because when when we're when it's game on (laughs) you know you have to have some practice and so um, So you, so I won't look like a fool. (laughs) You know, my reactivity, you know, a lot of times with my wife is like, okay, you know, I can do game on, you know, if you want to play, you know, I'll play. But selfishly, it doesn't do any good for either one of us, you know. And so I say, all right, catch yourself to want to defend the ego or the self or the fears or my hurts. And as I've worked on that through, you know, just my own therapy, and my own practices i there has been some, you know for me significant shifts where i like okay i can it's still there it's not like it's not going to be there it's just how long or how deep and who else is affected is is more optional and so i'm like all right i check in and i'm like hey just be with my wife just be with my kids just be with them They'll figure this out, that my presence is the biggest gift. We've heard this all the time. I still have to convince myself of this on a daily basis. And I think it's not as hard for me to do it. (laughs) And it still presents itself as an invitation. It's like, well, here's a decision tree for you. So,
0: I'm wondering, I'm willing to share too. Yeah, But I'm wondering if you'd be willing to share, you talked about your body, what did you say, lighting up? What, what's, what's a way that you notice maybe there's fear or there's anger or, or another kind of big natural emotion that might be coming up? What happens in your body? Just to give folks some examples of things that might happen.
1: Yeah, on the, on the extreme case, um, and I don't even know why I smile when I think about this, this is not, <laughs> um, but I think it's just the struggles of everyday life. And so a struggle for me were younger kids. And um, my wife was wonderful. And so thank goodness she was around because I would bite uh, the inside of my mouth <laughs> uh, because I wanted to fix, manager control kids, children. I mean, they're innocent. They're just doing three to five-year-old things. And that was very difficult for me where I would clench my fist. And so, fortunately, maybe I'm smiling because I'm like, oh, I just remembered I'm not dealing with that so much anymore.
0: Because <laughs> we're what, 20 and 22 well, now. Yeah. So like, oh. <laughs> Yeah,
1: I don't think the issues are, I mean, the issues are actually, you know, bigger deal. And so, it's just so f- interesting. You know, why was I so worked up at that time? And I think that's just a part of my, Evolution, You know, you're in your 20s or 30s and you're just trying to figure things out and you want things to be right. You know, I was, I swam in the water, the right water. There's a right way, you know, and you got to be right. And it was exhausting. So today what it looks like is the car is a real good teacher for me. It could be, you know, it's just um, uh, um, I'm doing it right now thinking about it. You know, the back of my legs start to tense up. My buttock stands up. Um, there's two spots that I hold uh, my activation, and it's not attractive to say, but it's true. Muscle to my face and my anus. So every single time I check in write that, on with those two eye areas, and I can do it right now, things soften. So my body uh, can get um, uh, real activated, and uh, as I pay attention to those areas, that just tells me that something's going on, and that's like that's my first like signal. It's my most first signal. And uh, the story that I think I'm in reco- or recovery from is that I've never paid attention to my body. I was never taught to do that in sports, and I think it's just kind of the Western male—you just don't do that. I haven't menstruated. I haven't had kids. You know, I think uh, I just don't. I'm not. I wasn't ever invited, or the social emotional education of just paying attention to the body—that was not seen ever as a resource. That's it just crazy. might makes right. And I think if, if I do get activated and I do get big, there is actually value in that and then use that. Mm-hmm. And I learned that in football. I would get hyped and then I wasn't I wasn't uh, I wasn't big, but on the football team I was I was voted number one on the killer squad because <laughs> we had a killer squad and it was called killer squad. And I wanted to be number one, and I was. I mean, it means you got to choose your jersey number. So, what number were you? 22. So, that was a moment of great pride and a great success and accomplishment. But if we look at the water, oh, dirty, very dirty, in my opinion, now, that was not some parts some of the attributes I will take but the premise and how to do that and how to get there wasn't um, supportive for mental health
0: yeah yeah I appreciate you sharing that Um, those are very deep and personal things and things that we carry on with us you know we still process through those things and it's
1: fun to you know I think I, I appreciate the opportunity is you know, the opportunities you say, thank you. And it's really an opportunity for me too. I can't tell you the last time I thought about this killer squad.
0: And still it's there yeah, in it's the still, fiber. It's still there. Being. Yeah,
1: it's like, why is it, you know? It's kind of,
0: it comes up, yeah, it comes up. Life has a way of doing yeah. that. Um, for me, um, thank you for sharing how you experience, um, and, you know, the physicality of big emotions. I think for me, I find three main ways. Okay. Um, I notice the facial tension, like mm-hmm. you had mentioned, um, I notice that, um, sometimes my throat will tighten up, mm. you know, and there's all kinds of, you mm-hmm. know, uh, rationale for that. And lots of yeah. psychology behind, you know, the throat mm-hmm. literally kind of locking up on me. Um, and then, um, that can be through nervousness or uh, conflict or yeah, just feeling like I can't say what I need to say. Um, that I'm fighting against that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the other one is, um, I'll find sometimes when I'm in difficult situations, I'm holding my breath. And Mm -hmm. there is, there are times where I think, oh my goodness, when was the last time I took a breath? Mm -hmm. I've been holding my breath through this difficult conversation. And I need to breathe Mm -hmm. because how much, you know, I'm sure I'm just ratcheting my brain into Mm -hmm. reptilian mode. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's incredible how, how we can do that. Um, And so I do try to uh, touch base with my body and I, and I've spoken with several other folks who have come from various upbringings. Um, I come from a very conservative background and yeah, the the body is something that in in a lot of ways I've had the discussion several times how the body in in a lot of ways is something that, um, it almost seems like silently we're told to ignore the body, um, deny it in in a lot of ways. And so we, we can choose in, in, if we believe that story to detach and, and not have the, um, the practice of touching touching base with what's what with, with what's going on because we we try to ignore it and we're kind of more of a being a soul instead of a, a physicality but th- but this is my home you know and i think the older i get the the more i think yes i i am a brain i am a spirit i'm a heart yeah but i'm also a body and and yeah. it it deserves and honestly in a lot of ways Scott it demands to be heard and so sometimes when I, when I tell my brain or my heart, my spirit, no, 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 I'm not going to listen to you, the body, like we said, it keeps score and it will, te- it tends to be the one that's kind of, you know, the sage human that comes to me and says, Amy, Amy, it's not for you. It's not for you. Or y- you need to listen to what's going on in the situation. You're denying a piece of this that is not um, in line with who you are, mm-hmm. and and you need to you need to honor that. And I'm going to make you honor that. <laughs> it will. It will stop the roll, Scott. <laughs>
1: it really will in, a, in kind of the short term or long term way it will inform us that something's unbalanced and so like the mind and Lamott quote you know our minds like a dangerous been like in a dangerous neighborhood I think our bodies have been through some dangerous neighborhoods too and so I think there's a, a coping mechanism to disassociate from it because it, it holds unpleasantness and so it could be injuries it could be trauma it could be a lot of things that Uh, We don't want to be attuned to it because it is uh, a vessel that holds stories that are difficult. Yeah.
0: Even aging, you know, to look in the mirror some mornings and and to be with it. You know, it's kind of like sniffing the shampoo, looking in the mirror, looking in our eyes, Mm -hmm. at our face. How has it changed in the last week, month, year? Yeah. And being with it, and being... I think one of the things that I've been working on is trying to be deeply appreciative of this vessel of flesh that is taking me through an incredible journey, what Mm -hmm. I would consider a really incredible journey. And instead of beating it up, and all the, the negative thought patterns that can happen when we look in the mirror, when we think about ourselves, when we have an ache or pain or sickness, being grateful—it's lasted, it's lasted, and it's taken me to some incredible places and brought, allowed me to engage with with other humans mm-hmm. around the world. Mm-hmm. You know, I've also done some incredible travel, and I'm deeply grateful for that. And so, um, I I heard you say just a moment ago, um, you talked about dissociating, and I would like to take a moment. Um, And talk about that through the lens of um, maybe difficult emotions, pain, I definitely want to hit on that. And also addictions, um, because I think that that is a word that comes up quite a bit that we're dissociating um, when we when we choose addictions. And and I know that you talk about addiction is a multi-lane highway, it can look completely different. I mean, there's, Mm -hmm. there are obvious ones that society, you know, shines a bright light on, you've got, you know, alcohol and drugs all kinds of you know very physical manifestations of dissociating Um, but there are also other ways um and so i do want to i mean technology is one we've even talked about there Mm -hmm. you know there's there are ways where technology can become an addiction as well um i have noticed in dissociation i think at the beginning of my practice that I was kind of addicted to being busy. I don't know if that's an official term for that lane of the highway, but I was always on the run.
1: The busy lane.
0: The busy lane, Scott. I could I I noticed. Isn't there it, HOV on this yeah. lane? <laughs> oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I have a busload of people. Um, I even noticed last night. It's not something that just happens overnight. And like. I'm the perfect meditator and I can be mindful in all these moments. I noticed last night that, you know, as I got into bed, I thought, I'm grabbing for my Kindle because there's a book I'm wanting to read and I just want to zone out and there's nothing inherently wrong with that. Mm-hmm. But there's this moment that I think often, isn't it interesting how I always want to be stimulated in one way or another? Kind of, That's almost its own addiction, which can come in the form of technology and in a lot of different ways. And so I I would be just very open and honest. That is one that is big for me. And so that has to do with task lists. Mm -hmm. It has to do with just feeling like if I don't do this, then someone's going to be on my case here in 20 minutes or whatever it might be. Or someone will think worse of me. All kinds of stories, loads of stories in that lane. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I noticed I was going through a lot of pain um, prior to starting MBSR with you. And... During massive amounts of emotional pain, I was processing through a lot of things from years past that finally just, I was exhausted from running. And and so it's a running or a dissociating, mm-hmm. you know, those can kind of come maybe, maybe a couple different flavors of kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I noticed when I sat with the pain, which is why I wanted to crawl out of my skin, that a lot of body sensations came up, and even like a feeling that my my heart was cracking in two. Physically, it felt almost impossible to bear. Mm-hmm. At times, mm-hmm. it really did. Um, and I highly recommend working with a counselor when you uh, when you're going through things like that because it, sometimes it can be too much, and you have to learn how long should, should I be sitting with this and how long do I need to just mm-hmm. you know, take a breather and, and, and think on other things? Mm-hmm. Um, because it can be too much at once. Mm-hmm. Um, like drinking a gallon of water or a gallon of milk at once. Sometimes that's too much, mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of times too much. Mm-hmm. But I noticed um, a lot of physical sensations. And I think what has been most useful to me in my practice, one of, one of the top things has been noticing the body. And I'm so grateful we've talked about that a lot today. Mm-hmm because it can inform a lot that's going on that maybe we're not even aware of. Um, But I noticed that when I had pain or big emotions, fear, massive amounts of fear, that when I noticed what was going on with my body, instead of concentrating on all the thoughts, when I noticed what was going on on with my body, it wasn't as scary, because I thought, okay, what's going on with me? Well, my reaction is what? Yes, I see all these, these thoughts floating by, I noticed that, but my body, my throat's tight mm-hmm. and I notice I'm clenching my jaw mm-hmm. and I notice my, my shoulders might be up around my shoulder mm-hmm. <laughs> or my, my shoulders might be up around my ears, which is another thing mm-hmm. that can happen to me. Um, maybe I'm still holding my breath mm-hmm. um, or I'm taking extremely shallow breaths. It can be a number of things, but when I notice or, or my stomach has been upset for a couple of days and I'm noticing it's still upset. Mm-hmm. My body has a lot of ways of telling me things are off, mm-hmm. but it feels less scary. It feels like, you know, Thich Nhat Hanh talks about, you know, holding our pain like a baby, like a crying baby. And I think of that so often um, because in those moments of sitting with meditation and noticing the physical sensations, I feel like I'm holding myself like a child and mm-hmm. saying, oh, that's so hard. And isn't that interesting what all your body is doing to tell you it hurts or that you're scared? Mm-hmm. And instead of judging it or running away from it or catastrophizing <laughs> just noticing. Mm-hmm. And, and when I am present for myself and I care for myself, like holding myself like a child, I, I don't need that as much from other people because I've taken care of myself and not not saying, Oh, don't ever talk to other people or don't lean on other people. That's that's not at all what I'm saying at all. Mm-hmm. But I come to those conversations a lot of times in a more steady place because I've cared for me mm-hmm. enough, and I'm not looking for other people to just totally fill in that space. Yeah. So that's been huge for me, um, because I realized that pain is one of life's greatest teachers. And if I feel it, Scott, it demands to be felt. It's kind of like we're talking about the body keeps score again. It demands to be felt. Mm. And you can run from it, or you can disassociate a number of different things. It will be felt. And it may be ten minutes down the road. It may be ten years down the road, but it will be felt. So, yeah. if we can learn the ways to feel it in a healthy way, right, in a way that works for
1: us, yeah,
0: I think that's a, that is a pathway to freedom,
1: right. And uh, and freedom maybe is just the ability to choose, yeah and I don't know how free I am sometimes. I think I've placed myself in a lot of pattern boxes or thinking boxes and and I'll think or believe a, a certain mindset and not know that I'm actually in that place because that's the water I've been swimming in and I'm picking up that yeah, at some point the body's gonna inform you uh, and And even in just the day-to-day stuff, I think that you know wherever while you're swimming in, as you start, as soon as you start paying attention to the body and the heart, or you know, uh, scale it or something, you're already stopped off that thought train. You know, so this is a, a way to get off the train, and so maybe that activation and the activation is our own story. We create our own suffering. And that's kind of the second arrow stuff. We create our own suffering. So if we can stop and get off that second arrow train about all these stories and just pay attention. If you only for a moment, then there's, I believe that can be useful. (laughs) And it's been useful for me. And then that can lead to a lot of decision trees, which might be hard. It's like, well, I might need to do something different or I might need to hug myself or pause or. Uh, whatever that might look like, but I think that, in general, um, because we have so many options available to us—technology, uh, food, uh, exercise—or there's a lot of different lanes on the addiction highway, which means we're basically exiting our lives. Um, because um, we don't like what we see, and and primarily that's shame, and. Um, And that's a biological instinct, too. It's like, I don't want to be uncomfortable. We're programmed to just be comfortable as best you can. Old brain wants to do that. Don't do that. So I think the new brain says, hey, you know, actually you might need to address some of these things. There might be a variety of different ways to do that. And sometimes, I think I heard you say, it can be a single breath. So, you know, in the midst of... I remember this moment I'm, I'm in a therapy session and I take a big in and out and my therapist said that was just a great act of self-love and I got what she said uh, which was the breath so and I think it can be that simple.
0: I'm wondering before we kind of get into the practice section if if you could talk to me a little bit about the impact of mindfulness on the folks that you counsel? Uh, Maybe it would be in general, maybe it would be um, even a single anonymous story. How mindfulness is helping in that particular field?
1: Hmm. Yeah, awareness, practice, mindfulness, um, loving self and loving I suppose that is the intention. Um, what greets me f- is just, and maybe at risk of uh, overdoing it, is my own story. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, and I've said a lot of it. I, I, I appreciate uh, the love of self, more and more and an acceptance of others more and more and so i don't know if we can put this in the show notes youtube this is me from the greatest showman it's a video of a song that's sung in that movie uh, a musical Um, and it's uh, the lead character i think practicing this song Um, and so they offer some background I appreciate the premise this is me and uh, welcome and entertain all of me and let's let's be and be loving and so just heard a sermon about that too and then he played that video at the end of the sermon so I'd seen the video and each time I see the video I weep a bit and I'm still curious about what that's about that's another conversation and it's just the acceptance of me, perhaps. And it's like, ah, oh, I'm, you know, I'm more and more accepting of me. And so if I can partner with anybody to help allow that to happen, then I'm game for that. It's a funny thing. We talked about that um, career coach. He said, you're a lot like social workers. But he says, you're also testing that you really don't care about anybody. This is what he said to me. He said, if I were dying on the side of the road, the statistics show, or the stat, these tests show that you would walk by me. You have very little empathy. So he goes, I don't know, this is the data. This is what the data says. You do with it what you want. It's kind of like a fortune teller, you know? And so I think that I've come a long way to be empathetic uh, from where I've come from, because I was on the killer squad. And so, um, that's part of your work. Yeah. So, you know, I think part of, you know, thanks for the invitation, telling the story is if, you know, anybody can get just, you know, one idea, uh, how they can be just, uh, practice or uh, a practice formal or a practice in thinking, uh, or partnership, um, or I have a little bit more awareness. Great. You know, I feel like that's, that's what I'm here for.
0: Yeah. I would love for you to um, lead us in a practice and then I will lead us in a practice. Okay. And I think we can wrap up from there. So what's one practice that maybe is special to you um, or maybe something that tends to work well for some of your clients?
1: Yeah, I think uh, often uh, we begin and I always talk about like, well let's, I mean, let's we just sit down and where we're seated and so right. invite folks to close their eyes Just notice uh, sensations around sitting. Some curiosity, you know, uh, around how do you know you're sitting? Maybe sensations around the back of the legs or lower back. Maybe a sense of less weight on the feet. Maybe noticing some support around the arms. So we're. Noticing body sensations as we're sitting. Might be supportive to just noticing uh, those areas where you hold stress and activation in your body. Uh, Might be muscles of the face or abdominal area. So bring some attention, just kind of notice the face. Sometimes we can't change or alter things that we're not aware of, so we're practicing awareness of the face or the shoulders, the belly, and maybe there can be a softening. And now perhaps just uh, some awareness of our breath. How do we know we're breathing? Where do we sense the in-breath? And the out-breath. Maybe for the next exhale or two, just more fully Exhaling, just letting the lungs empty, triggering the parasympathetic nervous system. Yeah, you're safe. You're secure. And sometimes putting some words or intentions as we begin the next moment on whatever we're doing may be helpful, may I be safe and secure, may my mind and body be at peace and ease as I experience life's joys and sorrows, may my spirit be filled with loving kindness And may I know all things are just as they are. So. I
0: feel like we need your little dong bell. Yeah. We need that in here. We should bring that along. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Little
1: bell, little vibration.
0: It's lovely. I like that. I like that very much. I've not done that particular one before. So thank you for doing that for us. I would like to lead us in one. The glowy Mm -hmm. um, meditation practice, it's a daily reflection practice that I developed and placed in my book, The Chaos Antidote, Mm -hmm. A Fable About Mindfulness and the Accompanying Workbook. And I try to practice it every single day. Sometimes it's written. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes it comes after um, a float, you know, one of the sensory deprivation floats. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes it just happens when I realize I've gone through the day and I haven't really touched base with myself very well. Mm -hmm. So it just kind of centers me. So... I'll lead you through it. Um, Super. Um, the first, is, it's an acronym, GLOWY, and mm-hmm. the first letter stands for grateful. Mm-hmm. And so what's something or a few things that you're grateful for? Uh,
1: what's greeted me this morning is uh, some gratefulness to have some really um, close friends. It's a treasure. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: The second letter is L for lift up. Um, and those can be things that um, that might need you might need help you might need resources Mm -hmm. Um, yeah Mm -hmm. or something like that
1: I'm grateful for the close friends and with that closeness comes some sorrow and so this one is experiencing some sorrow so I lift up um, uh, thoughts and prayers uh, and Uh, his knowing that he's, you know, not alone or other people are thinking about him during this trying time. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The O stands for observe, and this can Mm be uh, a body sensation or one of the other senses, maybe something you see or hear. Yeah. Uh,
1: Now observing just... uh, some uh, back my back there's a certain area that holds some stress and activation in my upper back, I can feel that I'm just noticing some softening just kind of, you know, thinking of my good friend uh, feeling um, sad um, the heart breaks a bit around that and uh, feeling um, anxious to a degree about what comes up next for, for that person so that's kind of and just um, hopeful that it I- that there's this knowing that we're not sure how or why all this is happening but just that they there uh, you know it kind of is as it is and and th- th- there will be lessons in all of it. And uh, I got a text this morning from him. And so it's still with my body and in my heart. And the first thing I noticed was, God, I want to fix, manage, or control this for him. Observing that.
0: So what is your wholesome intention? And we talk a lot about an intention and, and mindfulness. Maybe um, how you want to be or show up. Mm-hmm. Or something that you intend to do today?
1: Mm. Yeah. uh, I intend to be um, present uh, and supportive. And uh, I threw one idea out to this friend today. And I don't know if that was wise. It's tough. Hard to evaluate that now. But that's a little bit of a fear I have um and um, so just to be uh, yeah you know just exactly what we're talking just be present and be with him and and uh yeah be uh no that he yeah hopefully he feels support in whatever way he does
0: yeah the last one is my favorite it's the why yeah it's it stands for you are yeah sometimes when i need a little extra love or just feel like it i'll even give myself a little hug yeah they say it so it's a you are statement so scott you are what what's something it's a great affirmation <laughs> to send yourself out give yourself a little love
1: yeah uh, amazing and incredible um, um and the the thought just like yeah just human you know just just all parts lots of different parts my favorite word is and so I am amazing I am incredible and I'm all and all, a lot of things all over the spectrum and to be okay with that.
0: Excellent. Yeah. Thank you for doing that with me. Thank you. So as we wrap up here, um, I wanted to give you an opportunity uh, to plug what you have going on in your world. Are there are there ways that folks can learn more about you and and the offerings that you have
1: insight-counseling-center.com is the website Uh, so that's probably the the main doorway to walk through and um, I don't maintain it very well
0: (laughs) you observe that you do not
1: (laughs) and so it'll be dated and all that stuff uh, there will be one thing that might be invitational folks on Mondays and Thursdays from 1215 to 1245. I've been doing this 14, 15 years. Just people gather virtually uh, for now um, just to practice sitting. And so I find that uh, useful for myself. There's no fee. There's no cost, no reservations. So there will be a link on the website so people can kind of hit that. And, and um, yeah, if they want to practice, you yeah. Know, uh, just being that's a that's a that's that's one home and it's what's great is there's a lot of a lot of options now there's a lot of places to to partner
0: yeah and it's it's a wonderful call beautiful hearts are on that call so thank you for doing that for all these years and thank you for the work that you do um in mindfulness in general and for coming on today scott Mm. it's been a lovely conversation well thanks for
1: the thanks and and uh Um, spreading the good news. Thanks, Amy.
0: Yeah. Thanks, Scott. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of the Mindfulness Academy podcast. From my heart to yours, may you live with ease. This is your host, Amy Morgan, signing off.